Hey, hey, before we dive into today's fabulous, fabulous episode, I wanted to announce officially that if you've heard the rumors, they are true. The TSW Journal is officially here. It is available for you to purchase, and I cannot be more excited for you to get your hands on this journal. This has been a passion project for me. It's been a labor of love, and I'm so grateful to be able to share this with our entire community because it is very powerful, so freaking awesome, and I know you're absolutely going to love it. So, but what is it? Okay, I want to tell you like who this is for. This is for you no matter what age or stage in this process of healing that you are in. If you're just starting your TSW journey, God bless you. Godspeed. We're all with you, cheering you on. If you're a year in like me, it's still for you as well. I'm actually using it myself and absolutely loving it. So it doesn't matter what stage you're in. It can be used for everybody. And um, I am just so, so excited to give this to you. So what is this journal all about? You can get way more details at tswjourneytohealing.com forward slash journal. You can also just go to the website itself, the blog, and you'll see it a bunch of different places over there. But this, you know, has been comprised of not only my own treatments, therapies, research that I've spent thousands of dollars and countless hours on, but it's also comprised of you guys, the community, all this community sourced information and resources. It's all in one spot. And this is going to be an amazing, amazing thing for you to document your journey, to track what is working and what's not working and something that you're going to be able to look back on. It's also something that is going to pay it forward because a portion of the of the purchases is going to be going towards donations that will fund future research and spreading even more awareness. So it's a win-win all around. It's a 90-day journal. I know you're going to absolutely love it. So please be sure to go check it out, tswjourneytohealing.com forward slash journal. Okay, let's dive into today's episode. You've been seeking answers from every dermatologist, doctor, and all over the internet wondering what on earth this unbearable skin issue is. You know something's up, and you've been suffering and silenced for far too long. This podcast is going to bring awareness to the brutal reality that is topical steroid addiction and withdrawal syndrome. It will give you practical mental and physical tips to help you along your journey and provide you the strength you need to push through each day. You'll hear from real people battling this illness, as well as experts in the field, and I'm also going to share with you what's happening as I battle and conquer TSW. You are not alone, you're not crazy, and you will heal. If there's one thing I know, it's that anyone going through this hell is a warrior. My name is Jennifer Powers, and I welcome you to TSW Journey to Healing. Okay, I am so excited. I have not been this excited in a long time. I feel a little starstruck if I'm being honest. Um, you are so inspiring. Um, for anyone that is not watching this episode on YouTube, if you're listening on this podcast, I I'm so excited and honored to announce Brianna. Is it Banos? It's Banos, right? Banos. Banos. Brianna is the creator of Preventable, the documentary that was released. I think, I mean, I recently just watched this only in July. So just a couple months ago, but it's came out in when 2018, 19, 19. So 2019. Okay. So if you have not watched this documentary, you like wait till this episode is over. And the next thing you're going to do is you're going to go and you're going to watch it and you're going to look in the show notes. I will link it all for you and you're going to be blown away. And this is before I want to like introduce you and I want to ask some questions, I just want to tell you, I don't even, I, I don't remember if someone shared it with me or if in my, you know, YouTube 
you know, wandering around and searching for things. If I came across, I can't remember if you're listening to this and you're the one that shared it with me, forgive me. (laughs) Um, I just get so many great interactions with this community, but I watched this documentary and I started to watch it. I realized how long it was. And I remember where I was. So I just, I watched the first like 10 minutes and I was hooked. And then I was like, I just clicked another part, another part. And then I stopped myself and I thought, no, you know what? I, I was looking for something. I'm very close to my mom and dad. I was looking for something to really give them like it to, to experience with them. That was, you know, like really thorough and gave a bunch of different accounts of people from all different stages and ages, like what they were going through. And I just, you know, I spent my whole summer at our family beach house. Um, I was like living there. My parents would come down on the weekends and I decided it was like, I never forget this. It was like 10 AM, probably the beginning of July. And I just put it on. I said, can you guys sit down and watch this with me? I think they thought it was probably five minutes, right? (laughs) No idea that it was as long as it was. We started to watch it. And my mother, we're all very close. Um, She has told me, and she's going to be a guest in the upcoming episodes on this podcast, but she's told me that she felt such guilt. And that was a theme for some of the parents that, you know, was in the the documentary. So if she's watching it, she probably gave in like 20 minutes or so. I can't remember which point it was. And she stood up and she walked over to the staircase. And I I was like getting frustrated. I was mad. I was like, mom, no, I need you to sit back down and watch this. And she's like, started crying and like kind of yelling at me and was like, this is my fault. This is my fault. This is all my fault. And I was like, in that moment, I mean, I, I felt so bad for her, but I was also so frustrated because I'm like, no, I really, really need you to watch this. Like, so it's not your fault. It's just, but we need to like, understand what I'm going through. Um, and my dad was silent the entire time other than I, I think I heard him say like, wow, like a couple of faces, maybe my mom did end up watching it. It was over. And I mean, literally I was holding back I mean, tears were falling but silently, but like I was about to, I was so choked up. I thought I was going to like, really, it was going to come out. I could see my mom from 20 minutes in crying the entire time silently. And I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> and then it was over and my mom went to the kitchen or she gave me a hug. My dad disappeared for like 10 minutes and I, I saw him in the bathroom and I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe his stomach hurts. I don't know what's going on. He comes out. And I think he didn't want me to see him get so emotional. And I did not expect this, by the way, that I'm getting so emotional. I had no idea. (laughs) No. And it's like, it always hits me because I know people experience it differently. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, he, I, I will never forget this. Like he came out of the bathroom, we're in the kitchen and he just stood in front of me and he hugged me and we're very like, you know we hug and kiss hello real quickly, but it's not like this deep, long embrace kind of thing. And he's holding me and he's like kind of petting the back of my head. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I I love you. Like it was, and it was just that, but it was that, that moment of like, wow, like he fully gets it now. And I think, you know, as much as they can for not having it and not going through it. And it was exactly what the tool that I needed to give to my not my whole family, but my immediate family, my parents. So that, you know, and my son was only 11 and he was kind of in the, in and out of the room, which was kind of, I didn't know if that was a good thing or not, but I, I'm can't, we can't hide this from our kids if we have kids. So like so young, by the way, I've never think you have an 11 year old. Oh, thank you. Okay. (laughs) Literally that just, that just like made my day because I always was told I look young and until this happened (laughs) and then you know how it goes. Like you feel 
So thank you for that. But um, that was my experience with your incredible work that you did. It is it is such a huge gift. And I'm speaking for everybody. I don't know if you get, you definitely don't get praised and thanked enough because it takes brave people like you to go out there and do something which takes a ton of chunk of their life and their time out. And I can, we're going to talk about that. But like, I wanted to start this by telling you, like that meant so much to me and my family and I'm sharing it and screaming it from the rooftops to everybody to watch this. So I cannot thank you enough for making it. And thank you. Like hearing stories like that makes, I always think back and think that that was worthwhile of my time to have done that. And, um, it is nice to receive messages and things. Cause some days you're just like, what am I doing for the community? Like mm-hmm. am I doing enough? And, um, it's just like reminders like that. Like, I'm so glad that you and your family could watch it together and it be that moving. So it was, it was incredible. Thank you I, so much. Um, okay. Now that I got my act together, um, <laughs> I didn't lose it completely. I, would love for you to, I mean, for those that don't know you, just give a little bit like background backstory about like who you are, where you're from and your life. And if you have watched Preventable, like, I, all right, I'm going to stop. I have questions from that. So you go and tell your backstory <laughs> and uh, i zip it. I mean, I've tried compressing my backstory. Um, it's just basically, you know, I've grown up in South Florida. Um, I'm 33 about to turn 34 at the end of October. And um, I was a dancer. I was very active. Um, I had normal eczema, which is like behind my knees, you know, in the creases of my elbow. I had some on my neck. Um, and of course, you think that's such a big thing back then. Um, and it wasn't until I started working for a cruise line company when I was 22, turning 23, I moved to live on board and my skin just went crazy. Um, And looking back, it was probably just infections that I had from a lot of the sweat, from the costumes and everything. Um, But I ended up going to a dermatologist. And mind you, I did have some steroid use when I was younger, but it was so minimal. And even my mother doesn't quite remember how much I used because it was not a huge thing that I had used. And in high school, I used like over the counter college, like over the counter. Um, but at 23 head to toe, I looked crazy. A dermatologist like threw the kitchen sink at me. I was on an antibiotic, a topical steroid, protopic and antifungal. Um, I had two different antihistamines and there was something else. Um, it was just, I was on everything for a really long time. Um, and I did bouts of it for about, about three years. There was three cycles of it. The last one being the longest before, um, my wedding. And it was like six months. So can you imagine six months of like antibiotics and stuff in your system? So after my wedding in 2014, um, it was kind of discussed with my family and stuff like, Oh, why don't you just go off of these drugs? Cause my skin kept getting worse and worse. Like maybe your body just needs a break. Um, and sure enough, after I stopped it all, including the topical steroids, um, my body went crazy and it took like two months, maybe even three, yeah, three months to like figure out what was going on. Um, trying to look online, figure out, do I have an allergy? I'm 
going to an allergist, trying to figure that out. Um, they're giving me a steroid pack, um, like prednisone. So now I'm taking tablets and it ended up just being good old fashioned topical steroid withdrawal. Um, so January 25th of 2015 was the last time that I used a steroid and I've been on this journey ever since. Well, I have to say, I mean, I'm, I'm from watching the documentary. I've seen all like those stages that you were going in. You look so stunning. I'm, you must feel so, I mean, how do you feel right now? Like I'm looking at you, you look gorgeous. Your hair is beautiful. Like everything is, your skin's glowing. I mean, it looks beautiful. I mean, I'm in a flare. Like I'm, I have redness around my mouth and everything. Um, and actually I haven't made this public. Um, this just happened today. So you are the first like public thing to know. Um, I mean, it might be made public before the podcast goes out, but in theory, like you are the first one to know. Um, I actually started Dupixent today. Wow. Okay. Um, it wasn't something I ever thought of doing. Um, but last year in March, I had a really two really big operations on my leg mm -hmm. and it really threw my body off and I have not been able to get it back. Um, and so I am currently going to be working with uh, Jennifer Fugo, who's a clinical yeah. nutritionist mm -hmm. and um, being on Dupixent to try and balance stuff out because the past year I was trying to do some holistic stuff and my body was not processing it. Um, so I'm giving it a go. Yeah. Um, one of my biggest things I'm seven years in, you know, it's, I'm trying to get back into a rhythm and it's really hard when you keep getting hit with flares. Um, so yeah. Um, wow. As well, Thank as you I am, for sharing that. Yeah. And I, cause I try and be transparent yeah. and I don't want people to think like, if I start looking better in these next couple of months, like, Oh, she's just what, no, like I'm, right. I'm testing on a drug today was my first day. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I don't plan on being on it for it long. Um, I'm just trying to regain some balance in my life if, if I can. Um, I respect that. And I think it's, it's brave. Look, I think, you know, with, doesn't have to be TSW. It's whatever you do in life, you're going to get equal amounts of lovers and haters, critics. I, I, I respect that you're being honest about that. I come from the mindset and mind frame. I, and it's probably some PTSD around all the medications that got us here that I have to constantly like check myself and remember that like, not all medicine will do such horrible damage. Some medicine is needed. Some medicines are great and good and okay. Um, and I also, I feel you on that. I'm transparent as well. Like I didn't know, you know, there's episodes of this show where I say, screw it. I'm going to eat whatever I want. I don't believe this is diet or gut related. Even though I've had incredibly intelligent guests on here that are nutritionists and um, just experts that I'm, I'm not an expert in that. And yet here I am now trying this carnivore diet because I'm like, well, sure. maybe it's worth a shot. I don't know. But either way, whether you're trying a diet or you're trying a medication or whatever, it is so important. The, the reason we got here is because there was a lot of things that were not told to us, right? So telling, being an open book with anyone that's like a listener or a friend or someone going through this, I think it's just like, it's the only way you have to be like that. So I think a lot of it too is... I think mental health related. Um, I know for me, 
I needed to do this for myself. It's not something I would push on anyone else. Um, you're trying the carnivore diet because that's something that you want to try. Yeah. Um, I think people in different stages, it's just sometimes you feel like you're hitting a wall and there are some people that just heal with time and that's wonderful. Um, but sometimes sitting back and doing nothing can make you feel like lost, like you're drowning. So I know for me this past year, I felt like I was trying to do stuff and my body just wasn't receiving it. And even though this past summer, like I had a wonderful time away in the UK, um, I ended up flaring again and I actually got eczema herpeticum. So I had to get a Ciclovir and everything over there. And I was just like, enough, like enough. Yeah. So I came back over here and I was like, I'm going to give it a try. I've said for years, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait it out, wait it out. I'm like, I can't wait. Are you at all afraid of just like, I mean, there's those protopic withdrawal groups. There's obviously TSW. I'm sure there's probably some for that. I'm guessing, right? Dupixin has its side effects and some people get affected with it worse than others. You know, I've heard so many different stories of people that I know who have been on it and people that I've seen in a, a Dupixin group. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of, it's like a, you got to try it to know how you're going to do yeah, on it. It's true. Um, and I think but, you're brave for trying it after everything we've been through. Like, I also don't think there's anything wrong with doing what you need to do for you. Like I, I've said that before with guests, like just cause I may not do that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do that. doesn't mean that you should be shy or embarrassed or afraid to say what you want to try and do. Like, we're all trying to figure this out. There is no, oh, that's the answer, right? Like easy. Um, so I, I think it's, I think it's good that you're, you got to a point and you're like, this is my decision. I'm making it, I'm doing it. Um, cause some people, like, like you said, the mental health piece is so enormous here that like, if somebody's waiting year after year after year and struggling that much, it comes down to like, is this actually even worth, <laughs> is it worth it? Cause it's probably damaging my mental state more than it yeah. is. Anything else. And I know like financially too, it's hard. Um, I mean, I quit my job at the end of June or beginning of June, I was teaching and it was just so stressful and it wasn't my help helping my health either. And at one point, you know, I could look back and been like, well, should I have done depixent two years ago and maybe could have helped me and I could have been steadier at my job and not as worried or anxious. And so it's just things like that, where you just have to think about where you're at and what you feel comfortable doing. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks because that's their journey. Um, So I know, I mean, I may get flack for it. I don't know, but at the end of the day, I'm not at anyone else's, you know, call. It's my call. So you have to advocate for yourself. You all, yeah, always. So going off of that, then like this, this whole journey, a health journey like this, especially one that strips you down in your confidence, like the way that this does, like nothing else I don't think can do what gave you the courage or the idea or just the strength to go out and document all of this. Like, I, I want to know what was it, I guess that was like, you know what? I, I want to create this documentary. I, I need to, I feel like I have to do it. Like, what was that thing for you that pushed you to do that? I mean, it was within the first year, 
I was making YouTube videos and everything because by month three, like a bunch of my hair was falling out. Um, I had been taking pictures of myself. I'm a very curious person. And I guess I just wanted to document because I knew down the road what I was better. I wanted to be able to show it. Um, but you didn't care that like you were, I'm going to do it on YouTube without even worrying. Like, eh, I don't care what people are going to think or say. At that point, um, the first video I ever put on YouTube was me shaving my head. Um, cause I thought at that point I was so depressed, like, and I didn't even realize I was depressed until I went off and did a two week job that I probably shouldn't have done. Um, but I was, I was allowed to be around performers again. And it just like showed me that I was sitting on the couch day after day, not living. Like I wasn't doing anything for myself. Um, so part of me creating videos and advocating was not only trying to help other people feel better. Like I try to make my videos goofy and everything, but it was also to make me feel better. Um, I just, I didn't want to sit and think I had no purpose of getting out of bed in the morning. Um, Cause I think that's vital in anyone's life for others that they're sick or not. Like, what is your purpose of getting out of bed? Cause if you don't have one, it's like, I think that's where depression and stuff comes in. Um, so it was by the end of that first year, I was kind of working alongside ITSAN and everything. Like I was always keeping in touch, trying to figure out what was next, you know, steps forward. And I remember we, are, we were on a call and it just kind of, it was with some other doctors too. And it came up like, we, we were always a one-off. Like you go into an office and a doctor looks at you and you're like, oh, but it doesn't exist. Like you're just like one hard patient. And I remember just thinking like, what if there was a way to bring everyone's stories together? And at that point I wasn't working. I didn't have, um, I didn't have anything to do that I really felt was helping. And of course it was a crazy idea because I was still ill, um, like more than I am right now. And I just, I wanted to do it and I felt compelled. And even though I don't have a background in film or anything, I knew how to mildly edit videos, like fun things that I used to do, um, like in college and when I worked for the cruise line and I put together stuff, I created a, an LLC. Um, and I kind of felt that the community knew who I was enough to maybe want to donate to me. And I went for it. And I knew with that first donation, that was it. If I got a donation, I was in. There was no way I could back out. That yeah. was my accountability. Um, and that, I opened it up. It was October 1st. I created a website and everything. I was I doing. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I was doing biographies and things. And mind you, I was also, my marriage like completely fell apart that month. And I just remember you almost, told your part, like you told your husband, like, I, this is what I want to do. And he gave you your su support to do that. Or like, what yeah, was happening? It was, like, it was around June when I decided I wanted to do this. Um, yeah. I mean, even then things were a bit rocky with us, but he was still like supportive and everything. Um, but by October things got, we were apart from each other. He was working um, on a tour and things kind of fell apart. And um, I just remember like jumping in 
to this project because that was the only thing that was keeping me like emotionally afloat. And honestly, I think that's one of the only ways I got through this because it was so much work. It was so much work by myself doing it. Um, I like, I think because I had these like blinders on to just muster through to deal with everything else that I was personally dealing with. Um, Honestly, I think that was the only way I really got all the donations, all the fundraising, all so the. You, you did this whole yourself completely. Like you didn't have an editing team. You didn't have like nothing. No. Wow, no. I am even more floored and impressed by you. Then that is cr- that is wild. No, I did it all by myself. Um, fundraised from that October um, 2016 till June 2017. Um, then flew out that summer did all of the interviews. I had managed everything myself, airlines, um, figuring out hotels, stays, equipment. Um, I had a few people show me how to use a couple things that I was using that I bought because I was like, I have no idea what this is. (laughs) Um, And then I got back and that August to December, excuse me, of 2017, I transcribed everything. It took me hours. well, one hour interview took me four hours to transcribe and I had like over 24 hours of interview footage. Oh my God. So I was just nonstop. I would come home after working as a sub and just do that. Um, and then I gave myself from January to June of 2018, like time off. Um, cause it was becoming a little too much. And then I went back into the editing in 2018 and was, like by myself had no social life just editing 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 trying to figure out all that stuff my computer took a crap at one point i was living at the apple store for like a week i even credited a couple of the guys that helped me in the documentary at the end their names are there because they (laughs) were lifesavers um so it really was like a huge labor of love but it came it came out of time or I, I needed that, um, I needed that focus to be on something else other than myself. So I can't imagine going through a divorce while going through this. Like my, I was, I'm divorced too. And I, it's one of the most painful things. I don't wish that on anyone. It's so difficult, whether you have children or you don't, it's like, it's like a death <laughs> really. Yeah, um, it really is. Yeah. So I can't, I, so I, yeah, I mean, I guess as much laborious amounts of work it was, they always say that they say that for even us when we're itching, try to distract yourself, try to do something with your hands, try to be busy, try to. So maybe that's the biggest blessing and gift that it was for you really. To keep a focus. So, yeah. So let me ask you this part of that process. Like how hard was it for you to obviously making airline tickets and booking hotel rooms and things like that? That's not so hard, but making those appointments with like doctors, is it Sato? Sato? Sato. Sato. Like, I mean, like, like all those people and connecting with the people that you did to have them open and wanting to be in this interview process. What was that like? Like getting all those connections, making those appointments? I was literally so lucky to have landed the people that I landed. Um, you know, Dr. Lahiri in India, he was really, really big over there because they heavily abused steroids because one, you can find them over the counter, like very, very potent over there. And he was really battling the government and stuff over there to not have that. Um, 
and people were using it to lighten their skin and everything. So that was one whole aspect to show like even normal people that didn't have poor skin were being affected and having TSW symptoms. Um, and then when it came to Dr. Fukai and Dr. Sato, one, Dr. Fukai had never talked like on film about this. And I was shocked that he wanted to meet me. Um, and then he was the one that introduced me to Dr. Sato and he's like, you should interview him too. And I hadn't even heard of him, but apparently he was really big and then did the moisture withdrawal. Yeah. So I was so lucky to have them. And then I had Dr. Lee, um, she was over in New York that's doing, she was an immunologist so she was doing all of the Chinese um, traditional medicine with herbs. So that was a whole other side. And then Dr. Leo, the biggest one of all for me, I, I, he's my dermatologist, even though we're far away, I do telehealth with him. Um, he by far was the most incredible one to meet. And I was actually so nervous meeting him thinking that he wasn't going to be kind or he was in a, you know, tell me steroids should be used and stuff like that. So I went in with a lot of trepidation and he was honestly the best interview. Like, wow. So kind, so nice. So generous this time. That's, um, that's a huge deal. Just like when, you, when a doctor or professional lets you really feel seen and heard, it's, it's sad to say that that's like so far to infuse a come between, but that's just the way it is when you're just a number in, in the day of the life of their job. But and when it comes to health, I mean, people are people. So being treated like a respected human that they actually care about. <laughs> you know, like he goes above and beyond, honestly. And anytime anyone slights him or I see something like I, I it's almost triggering to me. Like I jump on it. Like, do not. <laughs> like you have his back. I love that. I defend him till the end. Cause he, even after hours, he'll be there for his patients. He's always reading up, always doing stuff for TSW. Um, I really cannot thank him enough for what he has done for our community. That's amazing. That is so amazing. I'm gonna have to look more into him for sure. Um, what, so the process itself, like, I mean, I, I can imagine it's gotta be exhausting, right? You're getting on planes, you're, you're, you're going to different countries. So the time change is happening and you're just adjusting to that on top of the craziness of TSW, which I don't know, maybe it was helpful. I, I definitely went through insomnia. I'm still <laughs> on and off battling it sometimes, but what was that like on your like body and your condition while you were doing all of this? Oh, by the end of it, by day 56, my body was done with me. Um, I even got a stomach bug near the end, um, which was not fun. Um, but my skin definitely got worse and worse. Um, especially like when I hit Japan, I had like a mental breakdown in the hotel room. Yeah. Um, I, I think I went like 31 hours without sleep or something at that. It was really bad. Um, it was just the way it was scheduled and everything. And I mean, I did it to myself, um, thinking, Oh, I'll be fine. Um, but it was really hard on my body. Um, there were days I was struggling. Um, but I guess because in the back of my mind, I was like, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. I kept going. Um, as opposed to like one of those days, if I had it now, I'd be like, Nope, just going to stay in bed probably. <laughs> Um, but I remember like my arms getting the full red sleeves again by the end. Um, 
but yeah, I just like mustered through and kept pushing. And then I tell myself I'll get to sleep in for a couple of days when I'm done. Yeah. So that was really like the only thing, but it was brutal on my body, especially all the flights, all the time changes, um, having to be the hands, the mouth, the ears, the mind behind everything. Um, I even at one point in Japan, because I was, I was overheated. I was tired. Um, I was recording a really moving, um, interview with one of the patients that was at Dr. Sato's clinic and I didn't press record. No, I was so upset. I remember being so angry with myself. Um, and I knew at that moment, I was like, I'm done. Like I was beat. I was so tired. I could feel myself getting annoyed. Um, yeah. And it was, it was a lot. It really was a lot. Um, it was crazy to have done, but I feel like crazy fits my wheelhouse or something. (laughs) I don't know. So (laughs) it all worked out. What, when you announced it, that it was available to watch, it was here for the world to watch. What was your responses that you got? Well, my body's response was let's have hives all over your body. <laughs> I was so, I had, my nerves were everywhere. I will never forget. I just had red spots all over my body. Um, the responses were beautiful. Like where did they, you announce it? Like where, like other than maybe like it's Sam Facebook group, like just social media, like you just social media, like all my like YouTube, because that's where it's at is on YouTube. I did it on my Instas. Um, I put it on my Facebook. I put it on the website for preventable. Um, I had people share it. Um, Yeah, I was anywhere I could because it was free and I just wanted to get it out. Um, And so the response was crazy. Like I was not prepared and I remember like being in bed, so grateful and thankful, I'm, like crying. Um, just, I mean, even Julie Block, who's the CEO of the National Eczema Association wrote me wow. and like sent me a kudos that she watched it a few times and that she couldn't like negate anything that I had put in there. So that was huge that to me because I didn't want the documentary to be um, like a bashing of the medical community. Like right. I I was really trying to create a balance of that we were really upset, you know, that there are medical um, doctors and things like that that are not listening to us and that we're being turned away from, but that we want to work with doctors. We want doctors yeah. to understand this and to be behind us. Cause it's, it's scary not having support in the medical community. Um, so I was glad to see that at least that message was brought across um, and that it wasn't just for patients to watch. That's, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's a huge accomplishment um, and probably very unexpected. You know, I, I think a lot of the times, anytime somebody on the other side, like, oh, steroids are fine. If they can just, if they can just acknowledge, like, look, we're not blowing smoke. This is, this is something that really is happening to us. It's real. Like it's real there's nothing else that caused this. <laughs> so like, you know, I think something that was created to be super helpful, which can be helpful, very short term, you know, like is just 
it's so frustrating that there's just not enough studies, but something like the work that you've created and that others are going to continue to create and what I'm trying to do and just all these people spreading awareness. That's the only way that I don't know. I hope that like by the time like our grandchildren's age, like I hope that this is eradicated completely. Yeah, this is not, it's non-existent. That would be lovely. It would be lovely. So tell me like, what were some of the biggest like setbacks or hurdles that you had to go through and then some of like some of the challenges that you maybe had during this whole that whole uh how many days was the whole filming for you it was 50 how many filming was 56 days 56 um, but then the editing i'm sure and then it'll took forever and ever yeah i mean overall it took two and a half years um that is a labor of love <laughs> um because it was the fundraising and everything so like just yeah. the fundraising aspect trying to get enough money because people were like oh why don't you just do zoom and everything and to me i was like no no um not that I it want, would, yeah it's not the same I, I want to be there with people i want to interact with their family i want to see what they're going through um i want to meet these doctors face to face i want them to meet me um so to me there was no for lack of a better word like half-assing it yeah. um so I, I really pushed for the fundraising and I was scared at one point. I remember I, there's a point in the documentary in the beginning where I'm like crying, sitting on a, like a sidewalk. And I remember thinking at that point, I wasn't going to have enough money and I wasn't going to be able to do this. And I wasn't good enough to do it. I'm so dumb. What am I thinking? How crazy am I to even like, I'm sick. Like, how am I going to do this? Um, so I know that was a huge hurdle, like trying to just get the funds and then actually doing the trip. Um, I had to get an India visa to be let in to, to make it. And that was a whole hurdle. They made it so difficult to get that visa. Um, the communication was awful. Thank you to Kelly Barda who like took me in in Atlanta. Um, because I had to fly up there to the consulate for them to like, let me know what was happening. So if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been able to get into India. Um, And then, I mean, during shooting it during was just hard on my body. Um, One of the people I was supposed to interview ended up in the hospital, so I couldn't interview them. So that put a whole like flip on part of my trip. I, I ended up staying in the, I guess it's like the solarium atrium of a friend of mine's boyfriend's house in the UK because I didn't have a place to stay. Um, And then Kelly Glenister, who was next in line, she kind of let me sleep in her son's bed for a a night or two because I had nowhere to go. And so it was things like that, you know, like the switch ups that were little hurdles um, during the shooting and then editing wise, oh my gosh, like that was the biggest <laughs> nightmare when my computer like crashed and I ended up having to buy this like $750 gaming thing so that my computer could keep running. Um, those poor guys at the Apple store, they were probably so tired of me, um, but they were wonderful and great and helped me through all the little kinks and things like that was the most frustrating part of it all really was trying with that editing. Um, it just hurdle after hurdle with that, um, what situation. Do you, 
What do you think? So you mentioned like sleeping in like, you know, the one, her son's bed and then this and the boyfriend's like loft area. And so when, when things like that happen and it's just little old you, right. And you don't have a big camera crew following you around. You're not like a big production team. And when you were telling people, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm here. Like, this is what I'm putting together. Do you think, cause you mentioned a little bit when you're sitting on the sidewalk, we all get that imposter syndrome. I get it all the time where I'm like, who, who am I to do this? Who am I to, I, even just to put on this little podcast, it's just like, yeah, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm not the expert yet. And I am still going through it and I'm not healed yet. And so who am I, who am I, who am I? And we all, I feel like everybody gets that. Do you feel, was there a point ever that you were like, I'm wondering if these people are even taking me seriously or that, do they really think that I'm going to be able to do this? Like, were you doubting yourself as far as how others that you were interviewing were kind of like viewing you? Were you ever thinking that? Funny enough, I felt like people were so encouraging to me. That's um, I think I was the biggest one that was like, I can't, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Um, I, I would have almost every day a pep talk of, all right, Brie, like you're doing this for a purpose. You have a reason it's going to get done. You don't know how, but it's going to get done. And like, there's, I remember listening to a podcast um, and it's kind of my thinking of a lot of things is once you find the what, the how is going to happen as long as you focus on the what. And um, my what was making the documentary and there were pieces of it where I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm betting on myself. And that was enough for me that I, I struggled with the anxiety and the imposter syndrome of not feeling enough. But in the end, I was like, I knew I could do it. And other people were super encouraging of it, um, encouraging me. So yeah, I felt really, really lucky to have the, su the support that I had. That's a, that's really interesting. I think that goes along the lines of like, when you really follow your passion or your purpose, the rest of the noise just kind of goes away and the doubts and all that stuff. So I think that's a really powerful message. Cause I can imagine, I can imagine trying to put myself in your shoes. Like, Oh my gosh, what are they going to think that I am? Hi, here I am. I'm putting together this documentary, but I have like, it's just me, <laughs> like, you know, but I think when you're pushed it's a calling, like it's a mission that you're on. You're like, no. And like you said, we're in such a desperate community <laughs> that even those of authority, like doctors, the good ones, right? Because there are good ones. They want to help us and the, the people want to tell their story. So I think that was really fortunate um, so that you didn't have that on top of all the other issues, right? Like self-doubt to kill it. That would have been a total disaster. Well, I, will um, say, I will say real quick, like yeah. to this day, like I have doubt. And I think even when you have a passion, there's still always going to be times where you're struggling with why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Who am I to do it? But I think it's just learning how to tune that out or tune it down. Um, because I don't think that'll ever truly go away, even in the, with the greats. Like I'm sure like someone like Ted, uh, I was his name, Tim Robbins or, uh, Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins or like, um, Oprah or something like, yeah. I'm pretty sure they all have their days where sometimes they might have a little self doubt, but it's just putting it in the closet yeah, uh, and doing it anyway. 
I'm always saying like, you know, if not me, then who, or if not now, then when, and it's just like, if everybody felt that and held back, we would have, we'd get nowhere in life. Nobody would be doing anything great. Um, so I think you're absolutely right on that. What, um, I want to, I have another, one more question for you. I think I probably could think of a hundred more questions for you. Cause this has been so easy. I love when the, it's just flowing and like we're vibing and this is such an amazing episode. I can't wait for people to listen. Um, but I do want to respect your time, of course, mm-hmm. but what is one thing? And I, and I like to ask every guest on the show this, and it's cause it's so cool how many different there's similarities in all of them, but everyone says things in a different way. So what is one thing that you wish that TSW warriors would, this is a two-part question. So number one, what they would, that what you wish they would have known or wish they would know before they embark on their TSW journey. So let's say somebody is like doing their research. They're like, God, this can't be eczema. And they just figured out, they find it, San, they find you, they find me, they find whatever. And they're like, oh shit, I have topical steroid withdrawal. That's what's going on. Oh my God. That means I have to like get off of these. And this is what I'm in store for. Like now they know what they have to go through. What is something you wish or hope that they will know at that point? I think it's the biggest thing is to not have expectation. I know when I first started, like I'm still going through skin stuff seven years in and I was so healthy starting out. I was a dancer. I was an aerialist. I, I worked out every day. You know, I ate well, I, I managed my health. I was a good weight. Like I didn't smoke. I wasn't a heavy drinker by any means, like barely drank. Um, so to me, I had this expectation that I'm going to get better quick. Like, you know, this is going to be simple and okay, you know what, it's going to be hard for a little bit. And then I'm just going to be through it in a year, maybe two years. And I think setting that expectation can really kill you in the end. Um, and I think everyone just needs to go into it with a day by day processing of it, doing whatever they feel is best for their comfort and everything at that time. Um, I think that's great advice. Because if, you keep, if you keep setting goals of, oh, I'm going to be better this day or that, you know, it, and you hit that day and you're not better, it's really hard because, I mean, through this, you, you have so many cancellations and so many things you miss out on and everything. And it's, it's hard when you expect to be better and you're not. Um, and it's so hard to not put an expectation, but that is something as advice I would give to someone who's just starting out. Like, don't tell people, Oh, I'm saying I'll be better in a year or something, you know, just tell them, you know what, this is a process. I don't know when I'm going to be better, but I just know I'm going to do whatever I can to get there. You know, I love that. I think that's such realistic, good advice. And it's, simple enough, but it's also deep enough that it's like, so it's just really good. It's hard to not do that. Sometimes, you know, when you're in this support group and you see somebody's healed in three months and you're over here month, six, month, nine month, whatever. And you're like, what? Like comparing, we all know comparison is the root of all evil or the thief of joy or whatever, but it's so hard when you're in this state of desperation for like, I want to be normal again. I want to feel like me again. I want to do the things I was doing. I want to just feel good. And I want this nightmare to be over. How do you like 
not? How, how can you stop yourself sometimes from seeing all those that have healed and you're in instantly, I'm so happy for them. I'm so now I'm even more miserable about myself in the state that yeah. I'm in. Like that is really hard to do. And that's why actually the episode that drops, I think today on my, well, this is not airing today, <laughs> September 7th. Um, I was reading a lot of the, I don't know, the like posts from people, like so many different posts where it was like, I just want my life to end. I can't do this anymore. I am like, it was all the like dark, dark, depressing things. And then on the flip at the second half, I'm like, and then, then, but then there's these, like, then there's these people that are like, I'm not healed yet, but healing happens. And this is amazing. And it was all these more like hopeful things. It's like, I think sometimes like we, when we're so miserable and we're down in the dumps, we, you know, the saying misery loves company. So you kind of gravitate to people that, you know, you're relating to, but that can also be detrimental and scary because then you're going to live in that space and healing, you know, as you said, like the mindset and mental health, that's a huge part of this healing thing. So focusing more on like, let's talk about the stories without and detach the outcome, detach the expectation of like this timeline has to be my timeline kind of thing. But um, I think that's incredible advice. I have to take some more of that advice myself because here I am, you know, nine whatever months into this. And it's like hearing you even say, I'm just going to be honest because I know there's someone listening to this and I know they're going to think this all those years for you. And although it is not what it was, it's like, so like, how do you battle that? Like knowing like, wait, I thought by now I would never have maybe another issue again. I know we're saying don't have an expectation of that. But it's like, you know, I mean, how does that make you feel? And how has life been for you? Like you're, you're not no longer married. Have you been like living life as normal? Have you been dating? Have you been like doing, trying to do all the things to be a normal person or like, what's it been like? Yeah. I mean, it's so, it can feel scary because I'm not fully better. Cause then you, you're like when it comes to like a job, like I know I was being so stressed out and it was up and down and trying to be a teacher while you've got like your skin killing you and stuff. And it's all like, most of my stuff is like my face and neck and my arms. That's like my main spot. And it's, um, I kind like, I, I give the analogy of the one pound weight. Like if you were to grab a one pound barbell and you hold it out at first, you're like, this is so easy. Like this is simple, but if you were to do that for like an hour, it's not as easy anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you get hit with flare after flare, that's what that feels like. It just feels like heavier and heavier. And God, like, I know we were probably harder on ourselves than other people. Um, I mean, just with dating alone, um, I'm, I met a really wonderful person in the UK that I had a, you know, a short stint with. And I mean, I had eczema herpeticum with him. I had, I had some of this and he just didn't seem to mind. Um, So I think, I think we just have to find the people that we need around us and to forget the rest like even that could be hard because some of those people are family and close friends but when you're going through something like this um it's important to have the right people around you yeah so i just think when it comes to 
being so long um, into the withdrawal. And sometimes I almost wonder if I should continue saying I'm withdrawing. Like maybe I need to work on something else in my body. Like maybe it's not the steroids anymore that's doing this. Um, Mm -hmm. But this is all stemmed from topical steroid withdrawal. Um, So anything with like your skin or chronic illness, um, you just have to keep in mind that, you know, who you surround yourself with, your thoughts and everything are going to go into um, how you heal. So even at seven years, there are, gosh, like last year was awful. Um, I even saw a therapist. I'll even be transparent there. I saw a therapist for a little while, um, for about five months because I was just like, I was losing it. Like my leg wasn't healing right. I was having more and more skin issues after the surgery. Um, I had a boyfriend at the time and I felt like we were growing apart. So I think you just, you just have to focus on you sometimes. Um, and so finding a therapist was really helpful. Um, but it is hard. It is hard to see like people that are two years and like, yeah, I'm healed. And I'm like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Why am I yeah. not? <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why I took do Like I, I just, I need a break, you know, yes. I want to see if something can give me a break. Yeah. Um, so that I can figure out my life and figure out ways to heal things inside because obviously Dupixent isn't a cure, mm-hmm. um, but it's something to help me along the way of helping my body. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, my very last question, I know I said that was the one, but I just yeah. want to know what's the future hold for you? What's the future hold for preventable and you know, you're going to heal. Um, cause we know that, but, but whether that's this year, next year, whenever, what's your plans for the TSW community or free it may be, and it's, and it's okay, by the way, if you're like, I did, I put my blood, sweat and tears in that thing and I am spent <laughs> I'm done. Um, but I'm just curious what the future has in store for you and for the TSW in your life. I mean, I always hope to advocate like I would still love to be able to help the community in any way um you know there's a lot of talk about like manifesting your destiny and manifesting your future and everything and I'm really been working on that this past couple months um you know and I want to be able to have a job that gives me money to be able to donate to itsan and everything and, and make sure it keeps running and you know, I am working on, um, like I want to write, I want to be an author and I want to share about TSW and, um, you know, I, I do want to help the community, but I also do for myself cause I do find it triggering sometimes. Um, if I'm in the groups too much or, you know, I've kind of muted sure. that a bit, um, because it's, it is a lot of suffering and I want that suffering to end. Um, you know, I have the documentary, I will always try and spread it as awareness. And I'm so glad that people are still finding it, you know, in 2022 as helpful. Um, I have my tea with Brie that I put out last year, these little, like, um, this little series I did to try and stay sane. Um, and so I do, I do plan on still being a part of the community um, once I'm better. 
Um, but I do also hope to continue on and have a life, have a family, focus on, on that aspect, as opposed to making this in my, you know, an illness, my entire life, um, an entire purpose. So yeah, I, I, I love that. I love that answer. I think that's so raw and so honest because I was going through like a whole like identity, like what do I want to be when I, I mean, I I've run successful businesses. I was working from home even like for the last, I don't even know, almost decade, um, for myself, which is kind of can be lonely, but also freeing and amazing all that at the same time. But it, when you have something like this hit you, I remember thinking, cause I have such like a perfectionist, obsessive personality where I'm like, okay, well, this is happening for me, not to me. I'm going to turn this mess into my message. I'm going to spread the awareness. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to, this is, I was like, maybe God gave me this as a gift to like, maybe this is my purpose, but on the same, and maybe it is, but, but on the same token, I'm, I'm a girl like you, like, I want that family life. I want that, like, I want that normalcy. I want, uh, I want things that remind me that my life isn't all about this. Like this is something, this is a huge part of my story. It always will be, but there's other pieces, you know, you're not faceted, you're a multifaceted human being. Like we're, we're meant to do, we could do many things. Great. So, um, I really love that answer very much. And I completely relate and I agree. And I think that's amazing. And, um, I didn't, I meant to do this in the beginning and I didn't. So when I, end this right now with you. I'm going to actually play a quick little clip of preventable. And I want, obviously it's pretty long, so it's going to be a short one, but I want every single one, everybody listening to this right now, this is ending, go and watch it. You're going to be amazed. If you want to comment on, uh, this episode and ask questions, I can get them over to Brie or you can contact Brie, but it's just like, we are here for you all the way. And you are so inspiring. And I am just so blessed and so grateful to have had this time with you. So thank you. Like, seriously, thank you for this. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you so much. We'll definitely stay in touch. I hope the healing goes well. I hope the do picks and journey goes well and we'll keep each other posted on what's happening. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Brie. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe and leave feedback. With your help, we can spread awareness together. So please share the show with anyone you know who may be struggling with a medical condition and using steroids to treat it. And be sure to check out the blog for helpful resources to aid you along your TSW journey at tswjourneytohealing.com.